On today's show, we're going to put the nail in the coffin on the three deadly sins of summertime selling. Before we roll in today's show, if you're not signed up for any events, whether that's in person or virtual, take a look at the event calendar at events.mycontractuniversity.com and get signed up. All right, let's get going with today's show. I'm going to wrap up the conversation we started last week on the three deadly sins of summertime selling. Let me take it away. So just to recap, here's where we are. There's three deadly sins. Number one is we're running too many leads and we're allowing revenue per lead to decrease to an unacceptable level. Number two, skipping parts of the process, specifically relationship building, the money question, and the one I'm going to talk to you about right now, which is designed to eliminate the I want to think about it objection. There's nothing more frustrating on a call than getting down to the end. Everything seems like it went beautifully. Everything. I'm perfect. The customer's perfect. The system's perfect. They got great credit. They got a bank full of money. Everything's perfect. But they say, well, you know, we just got to think about it. We never make these decisions fast. We got to sleep on it, pray on it, eat on it, think on it, dream on it, whatever on it, right? It makes you crazy because you and I both know that when you walk out of that house, you are subject to the universe conspiring against you. If you leave the house, they haven't made a decision. Uh, I promise you their neighbor and their brother-in-law are never going to come over and say, that's great. You're paying 15 grand for a system. We had to pay 30 grand. That conversation's never happening. What's the conversation going to sound like? Oh, go AG. We got our system for 4,500 bucks. Yeah, 1980, right? Believe it or not, people lie to sound like they got the greatest deal of the century, right? People do it all the time. So, what we got to do is eliminate the objections, just like I talked about with the price objection. I do the same thing with the I want to think about it objection. How do I do that? Well, it's a little technique called the uh, the intention statement. Some people call it the upfront contract. I don't like that. The upfront contract is very aggressive in my estimation. But the intention statement, originally developed by one of my sales idols, Tom Hopkins. In fact, there's a picture of me and Tom, but in those crazy ass shirts. It's like I can't believe we. I mean, we couldn't be more obnoxious in those shirts. Uh, That's from a number of years ago, but Tom's one of my heroes and he developed the intention statement back in the eighties. He wrote a book called how to master the art of selling brilliant book, bestseller, international worldwide bestseller. And he talks about the intention statement. I've changed it up a little bit to fit our industry. Uh, And so here's what the intention statement is. The intention statement is just a real quick conversation that happens fairly early on in the process. And I kind of set the expectations that at the end of this process tonight, we're gonna make a yes or no decision. And no is a perfectly acceptable answer. You have to give people permission to say no. In fact, the more you give them permission to say no, the more likely they are to say yes. It's kind of an inverse relationship. So here's the intention statement. Again, I'll do this early on in the process, probably 15, 20, 30 minutes into the process. I'll just sit down and I'll say, well, you know, Mr. Homeowner, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a bad experience with a pushy salesperson? (laughs) And they'll say, oh yeah. And I'll say, well, tell me about that. This would be a car salesman or a furniture salesman or a client salesman, some kind of crazy situation, maybe another contractor, who knows. And I have them tell me about that bad situation. And I'll say this, listen, I got great news. I'm not a pushy salesperson. I'm a professional HVAC design consultant. It's what I do for a living. It's how I take care of my family. It's how I serve my community. I'm very proud of the work that we do at my company. What I have found is best for me and my homeowners, me and you, is that I take all the time you need to answer all your questions, make sure I design the right system, and of course, make sure it fits in the family budget. 
And all I ask, Mr. Homeowner, at the end of that conversation is that you let me know one way or the other whether or not you think I'm a good fit for you and your family, and no is a perfectly acceptable answer. And they're stunned. Like, well, that seems like it makes sense. You're going to give me all the information, and I'm going to let you know if you're a good fit. It might be no. But again, people are afraid to have these conversations because they, I don't know why they're afraid of, right? I tell people all the time that, that I'm never going to go to my, my wife and my kids, right? These guys over here. I'm never going to go to these guys and say, hey, we can't afford to go do this or can't afford that because I'm too big of a chicken beep to ask tough questions to my customers, right? I may go down, but I'm going to go down swinging as often and say there's nothing wrong with, with, with falling down. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. We all fall down. But there's everything wrong with laying down. Right. And if you're not asking the questions, if you're not conducting yourself as the sales professional you were born to be, then guess what? You're laying down. That's unacceptable in my book. I never criticize people for trying and failing. You can't fail if you're trying because it's always learning experience. But if you don't even make the effort, shame, shame, shame. Right. Won't fly with me. I'm trying to censor myself here since I'm performing this training, conducting this training for a very esteemed and uh, very, very, uh, very good, great organization, EGIA. But if it's just me and you, I might've dropped some F-bombs by now, but I'm not doing that today. So, crucial mistake number one, too many leads, revenue per lead hits the tank. Number two, we start skipping the core parts of the sales process, the relationship building process, and we, we, we stop asking the core critical questions. Again, I don't expect you to learn all this stuff today. I want you to go to the, to, to the, the learning platform Dave's going to show you how to get to and go watch my core sales training and do the mindset, by the way. I don't have a copy of that book here, but I, uh, I've got another book I wrote, The Power of Consistency. It's a New York Times bestseller, and we've developed a program for developing the prosperity mindset, and that's on the EGI platform as well, all this stuff, and a 100 other things, by the way, from service tech training to management training, leadership, communication, you name it. I mean, they have amassed this, this massive brain trust of people to create content for that platform. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Okay, so let's talk about the third deadly sin. The third deadly sin that I see in the summertime from residential heating and air conditioning contractors is failing to preserve lost opportunities from the summertime. Now, here's what I mean by that. You're going to go out and you're going to run a ton of leads and you're going to sell 40 or 50% of those. And so there's another half of the, let's say you sell 40%, that's 60% of the people that are either going to not buy from anybody or they're not going to buy from, uh, from you, right? So you've got, you've got probably 25% of the people, 30% of the people that end up not buying, even though it's hot, unless it's a no heat, a no cool situation. But you're going to talk to a lot of people that, believe it or not, will go ahead and stick with that old system limping through the summer. We see it all the time here in Colorado because we have relatively short summers, right? We got, we got June, July, August, where it's in the 90s. And then September, by the middle of September, you're going to have one 40-degree night, and then it's 70s and 80s from then on out, right? So in Colorado, we find people a lot of times, even in July, we're mid-July right now, we're seeing it already, people feel like, wow, I made it through summer. So maybe I can wait till next year, right? Because we all want to postpone the pain of spending money. So your market's probably different, just depending on where you are. But, but, but there is a certain point in your, in your season where people start feeling like we made it, right? We made it to the end and we can wait till next year. So what's happening is there's a ton of people, probably 25% of the people out there, 30% of the people that end up not buying from anybody. 
which means they are very right to go back and recruit when it's slow. You may have to add some additional discount, but you 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 go back to them and you offer them an off-season discount, an off-season special, because people aren't stupid. They know when demand is high, prices are high. You know, we're not discounting much in the summer. Neither are you. You don't have to discount in the summer. It's about who can get to it first. But if you've got people that don't buy, they they expect some type of concession to buy off season. That's okay. I, I don't mind giving them a free humidifier or a free couple of years of my maintenance agreement or something like that. I'll give them a little incentive. But what happens is we fail to preserve those opportunities. And so think about it. Let's say you got a, a medium-sized company like mine. We'll do 10 million this, this year and we'll probably run oh, probably close to 200 leads this month, right? So if we run 200 leads this month and let's say we sell you know, 80 of those, 40%, there's 120 that we didn't sell. Of that 120, there's probably 50 that don't buy from anybody, right? Well, you got 50 in May, 50 in June, 50 in July, 50 in August. That's 200 people who want to buy an air conditioner who haven't bought yet. Well, who should I be talking to in September and October? I need to be talking to those 200 people who are trying to wait till next year. But the problem is nobody keeps track of it and we don't know who to call back. Because how do you know who called, who got, who went with a different company versus somebody who didn't do anything at all? Because you got to know, right? If they went with somebody else, there's no point in you wasting time and energy. In fact, you'll burn your people out. If you're just calling, 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 and the first 10 people they call already bought from somebody else, now they're like, oh, everybody already bought. Well, meanwhile, the next two or three they would have talked to haven't bought from anybody else. They're perfectly right to be sold a system in September with some small concession. So you got to preserve the opportunities that come up in the summertime that don't buy. You got to preserve those to use those when you get to what I call Black September. And by Black September, I mean that if you're not selling school supplies and school clothes in September, then, you know, in many cases, you're kind of screwed because that's where everybody's money is going, right? Back to school clothes, back to school this, tuition, blah, blah, blah. So I call it Black September for our because we're rocking along and we hit September, like, whoop, you know? So, and it, by the way, it puts a lot of small companies out of business because they have that big tidal wave of payables coming from the summer. And they went out and bought a new boat and a couple of new trucks and didn't pay all their payables. And then September hits and all of a sudden the faucet of money gets turned off and they collapse under the, the weight of the wave of, of accounts payables that are 60 or 90 days old. That's an whole other story. We could do a whole session together for three days on that that mistake so i want to talk some more about this so we, we, we got to get better at preserving the opportunities that we don't close and that don't buy from anybody else in the summer and we got to have those for september so there are a couple of ways to do it you can do it the old-fashioned way and you can uh, you can basically do it one of two ways so you can take all of those lost leads, the no sales that you had from the summer season, which could be hundreds upon hundreds. And you can assign uh, a CSR or a dispatcher, somebody who's got time this lower season to sit there and call every single one of them. You can do that. Uh, and if that's the only way you can do it, then I highly encourage you to do it. At least you're doing it, right? At least you're doing it in that situation. The other way is through a little bit of the process of elimination, and it depends on the jurisdiction that you're in. So in El Paso, Colorado, El Paso County, Colorado, where Colorado Springs is situated, we have a, a Pikes Peak Regional Building Department that's pretty well organized. And I can go and pull every address from the leads when I ran in the summer 
and I can see if a permit was pulled during the summer. So if a permit was pulled, I'm not even going to call them back because they already bought from somebody else. But if I got 500 leads that we didn't close over the summer and I just assigned somebody, and by the way, I've seen companies we've had to recommend because they didn't have the staff to do it. So you hire a temp, a temp service for a week and hire a temporary person to come in and do this, right? Or maybe grab a, a kid or high school or whatever to come in, in the evenings. But you just go through, if, you're, if your building department's organized enough to do this, and ours on the website, they are, I can run any address and find out if a permit was pulled. Well, I may run 500 of those and find that I got 100 that no permit was ever pulled. Well, guess what I'm on the phone with next, right? And we can, if, again, if you need some help about what that conversation would look like, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to, to walk you through that. It's a little different depending on your company and your weather and your region, that type of thing. But basically, you have a little conversation that somebody calls back and says, hey, Mr. Jones, uh, we came out and saw you last June. And I understand that uh, that you guys decided just to wait and maybe do it later. And they're going to like, how do they know? It doesn't matter. They just they're thinking, well, how do they know that? Well, you're smart. You figured it out. And you just say to them, so listen, we, we, uh, we know you're probably still thinking about a system and you're Turned out you're really, really smart because uh, people always ask me, when is the cheapest time to buy an air conditioning system? And I always tell them the same thing, September. And guess what? We're in September. And so right now we're offering incentives that weren't available to us in the summertime. And just wonder if you'd be willing to have, have somebody come out and go over the new specials that we have and incentives we have and see if we can go ahead and get you set up the system. Guess what? On 100 calls like that, you might set 50 leads, follow-ups. You know, that's going to be really, really helpful in September. You know, you go out there, you run 50 leads, and maybe you close half of them, you get 25 new deals at, at 12, 15 grand a piece. You're talking about hundreds of thousand dollars. That'll come in handy in September. That takes one bad month off the calendar. Now, all of a sudden, my Septembers are great. Why? Because I'm not a moron. I'm following up. I mean, listen, you got to understand the average residential replacement lead costs between three and $500, right? All the marketing, everything you do, three to $500. It makes absolutely no sense not to call those people back since you've already paid for the leads, especially if you know they hadn't bought from somebody else. How do you know that? Because there's no permit pool. Now you'll stumble across some that, that had, you know, one truck guy, whatever, weekend guy, do it on a Saturday and didn't pull a permit. Well, that's fine. But most of them, if there's not a permit pool, they didn't buy from anybody. So that's how you could do it. I will tell you this. We use an app. Uh, and, and full disclosure, I created this app. It's called rehashleads.com. And it's an app that you put all your customers in and it communicates through them throughout the summer. About every week or so, they get a little video from you and it tracks the level of their interaction. So when you get to the September timeframe, you just go in your app and you can see everybody who's not watching your content, which means what? They bought from somebody else, most likely. If they're watching all your content and the app has an algorithm, it rates them from zero to 100, depending on how much interactivity they have with the app. And the people with really high scores are the ones still watching your content, which tells you what? They didn't buy, right? And they can actually communicate with you through the app. So we use technology to do it, but that allows us to have a lot of leads to run in September and in October in many cases, because we find that we have dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds, but dozens for sure, 100, 200, customers that didn't buy from anybody and those are very good leads they were interested enough to have us come out in the summer they were thinking about it they were this close so now it's up to me to go out there and have a second conversation so again you can email me about that as well weldon at weldonlong.com 
I'll give you a free book if you have any questions. Uh, David's going to talk to you here in a minute about how to get the online training because you got to go through the whole online course. I'm just telling you. I've been doing this for 20 years. I, I, I'll tell you how good my sales, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying it's a good system. I started this company when COVID started a little over two and a half years ago, and we're going to do 10 million this year. Why? Because we're a selling machine. I know how to create sales champions and do it quickly. I hired a guy. So my speaking manager, a young lady named Chris Ortuno, she's been working with us for a few years, and I decided on a whim, uh, I think it was a, a vodka-infused whim, but it was a whim nonetheless, to buy her a new car as a bonus for last year. And she ordered it last year. It took like eight months to get it. But when it finally came in here about a month or two ago, I met the young man, the salesman at the Toyota. She wanted the Toyota 4Runner. I met the young salesman. And he actually came over to my house because I had to sign the paperwork and everything. And this dude was like sharp, capital S-H-A-R-P, sharp. I'm like, man, this is he's driven. He's motivated. He's hungry. He's sharp looking. He's sharp thinking. He's sharp talking. I'm like, dude, you like selling cars? He goes, I love selling cars. I hate the hours. I said, how would you like an opportunity to make 200 grand a year running set appointments instead of cold calling? And he was all ears. So I ended up hiring the guy. I put him in front of the computer, the EGIA program. He went through my mindset training and the sales training. It took about two days to go through all that content and learn the sales process. Then we threw him out in the field for three days with the installers to let him kind of see how a system goes together. The following Monday, with one week of training, he ran his first week and put up $50,000 in sales. Now, granted, he was a professional salesperson, so we understood my sales training, right? But he doesn't have to be an HVAC expert. All we had to do is teach him how to do a load calc, me measure airflow, and combustion air. And if he can do those three things, he can basically design a system. Of course, we give him a lot of support in the early days, a, a new hire, of helping them design systems. We make sure they know what they're doing. And we, we, get, we get them lots of support from our, our install manager. But the bottom line is you got to have a sales system, a sales process. That's how you grow quickly. That's how you scale quickly. So David's going to give us some information on that. So real quick, I got about a minute left. I want to recap the three deadly sins of the selling summer season. Say it with me. Number one, running too many leads, which does what to revenue per lead? It makes it tank. Yeah, revenue's growing because we're, we're running 50% more leads, but we're getting killed on a revenue per lead. Number two, Skipping important parts of the sales process, in particular, the relationship building and those two questions that are designed to deal with the price objection and the I want to think about objection. And the third deadly sin of summertime selling is, drumroll, it is basically forgetting to preserve your summertime leads to use in September and October when you're really going to want them, you're really going to need them. So you can do it manually, you can use technology the way that we do. But the bottom line is you got to preserve those summertime opportunities. Awesome content right there, as always. Now, be sure to share this on Facebook. And if you're not a member, I want you to click the button below to get a 30-day free trial, which will give you access to all of our amazing content. Well, that's it for this week. We'll see you next time. And until then, my friends, bye-bye for now.